Thanks, Travis. I am honored again as a senior pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church to be with you on this Vision Sunday when we talk about all that God is laying out in front of us. And one of the things we need to do for just a few seconds is to celebrate all the things that God has done in our past. Uh, we are now a church of eight campuses. Uh, we're celebrating Avenue South moving into a permanent location that is their building, their facility, and how exciting that is. You know, Aaron and I were talking the other day, and each time we have had to do something at Avenue South that involved property, finding the property for the original location, finding a permanent facility, both times we were told by all of the, quote, experts that there was no property available, that we would never find it. Both times, God answered in ways that, well, if we had known that property was available, we probably wouldn't have had the faith to pray for it. That's how overwhelming and unexpected God's answers have been. So we are excited about what God is doing in the sanctuary of Brentwood Baptist Church, what he's doing in Columbia through our campus at Station Hill. On and on the list goes, but if I get to celebrating all of that, I'll forget to tell you what's ahead. You know, Nashville is an incredible place to live, this area in Middle Tennessee that we call home. And it is known for a place where dreams come true. Uh, you know the story. Somebody in some little small town somewhere in America starts strumming a guitar, playing a piano, putting a few words together that rhyme, and all of a sudden they get this itch that they want to be a star. So they come to Nashville. Uh, they bum around in various clubs and singing in churches anywhere where they can get the opportunity until somebody hears them, somebody sees them, and a spark goes off. Hey, if we did this, this person could be a star. If we put this kind of band behind her, she could go far. And over the next seven or eight years, we suddenly find out about the next overnight sensation. It's interesting how long it takes to be an overnight hit in Nashville. But for all of those dreams that come true, there are 10, 50, hundreds that don't. Nashville is a city with a lot of heartache. Middle Tennessee is a region with a lot of brokenness. We try to ignore it. We try to make sure it happens on the other side of town, that it happens somewhere else, but you can't stay away from it. Sooner or later, the headlines gets a little too close. The news gets personal. You wonder how it got this messed up. You wonder how it got this bad. And if you'll allow it, your heart will break. Now, most of us don't have the courage to walk through that process of letting our heart break. But I want to remind you as we get together today that every major movement of God started when somebody's heart broke. I know, 
That's a weird vision sermon, isn't it? I'm not going to be pointing out any new programs. I'm not going to be talking about any new buildings. I'm going to be asking you this question. Do you love Middle Tennessee enough? Do you love the people who make up our communities enough to let your heart break for them? Every great movement starts with the people of God becoming brokenhearted. It's Nehemiah that tells us this. There are uh, several stories that have to do with the people of God and their breaking hearts, and we're going to be focusing on them over the next few weeks. The first one we're going to talk about is Nehemiah. It's the very first chapter of his book. Nehemiah is serving as the cupbearer to the king when his brother from Jerusalem comes to see him. Nehemiah is in exile. His brother tells him that Jerusalem is not doing well. This is Nehemiah's response, verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the Lord of heavens. And here is what I said. Lord God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, the statutes, or ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, you will scatter, I will scatter you among the peoples, but I will, if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the furthest horizons, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants, your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today. Grant him compassion in the presence of this man, the king. Now at this time, I was the cupbearer to the king. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Babylon had an interesting theory of how they handled the countries that they overran. What they would do is they would pretty much destroy the country that they were attacking. And then they would take the best and the brightest of that country and they would take them back to Babylon. They would train them. They would train them to become bureaucrats in the Babylonian empire. And they would send them out into the other parts of the empire, most of the time away from their own homes to serve the king and his empire. That's how Daniel and his friends got to Babylon. They were some of the best and brightest of Jerusalem. And so they were taken in exile. This exile almost destroyed Judaism. 
Not only did Israel and Jerusalem have a hard time understanding that God would allow his, his city, the city of David, to be overrun and destroyed, the temple burned. They gave up hope. Later we find out when the people returned to Jerusalem, a lot of them could not even speak their native tongue. The only thing they knew was Babylonian language. They lost their story. They lost their history. They almost lost everything. Now, Nehemiah had been assigned to serve the king. He was a trusted advisor and servant of the king as a cupbearer of the king. It was his job to make sure, well, that the king didn't get poisoned. Nehemiah's brother comes from Jerusalem. Nehemiah asks, how are the folks back home? And his brother tells him, the wall is torn down, the gates have been burned, the people are scattered. And it breaks Nehemiah's heart. Not only is he sad, he's almost unable to move. He talks about praying for days, fasting for days. He is so broken by what he hears his people are going through that he literally doesn't know what to do. But he makes his mind up. I'm going to bring this up to the king. Somehow I'm going to ask for the king's favor to go back to Jerusalem and restore what has been lost. So he prays. What we're going through, O oh Lord, we deserve. We didn't keep your promises. We didn't keep your commandments. What you have done to us by pulling us into exile, we deserve. But you also promised that you wouldn't leave us to despair. That if we return to you, you would take us back home. And that's what I'm praying for now, Nehemiah says. But I need the help of the king. Will you allow favor? Will you allow him to hear me? Conversation in the next chapter takes place. The king actually brings it up. Why are you so sad, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah tells him about Jerusalem. And the king then asks, what do you want? Not only does the king let Nehemiah go back, he gives him letters of protection. Not only does he give him letters of protection and let him go back, he also provides the materials to rebuild Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah was the cupbearer. All of us are still trying to recover from COVID. My recent sabbatical, only thing I did was drive up and down I-65 hearing about what was going on in Middle Tennessee. Most of the churches in Middle Tennessee are somewhere around half attendance now in person Maybe 75%. Nobody is at full capacity. Nobody is back to their pre-COVID numbers. In fact, most of us are beginning to understand that it will be a long time, if ever, that some of these churches ever return to pre-COVID numbers. In the meantime, our world hasn't remained still. Things have happened. 
we were quarantined. A lot of us had to face long months of solitude. And for some of us, it was more than we could take. The incidences of mental health crisis went through the roof. Drug addiction went through the roof. Suicides went through the roof. In one of the conversations I had, I talked with the mayor of Franklin. You know what he talked about? He didn't talk about infrastructure. He didn't talk about new roads. He didn't talk about taxes. He talked about the number of people in Williamson County who commit suicide. Williamson County has one of the highest suicide rates in the state of Tennessee. The main demographic of that is men, 45 to 55 years old. Men, 45 to 55 years old, men who should be in the prime of their life, wake up one morning and can't find a reason to go on. Does that break your heart? Does it break your heart with the number of young adults who struggle with anxiety and depression? Does it break your heart the number of families that are struggling, marriages that are struggling to stay together because the economic pressure, the financial pressure pressure of jobs and whether or not we'll have the job is straining the marriage. Kids that are falling behind in school and struggling to catch up. The number of people who are lost. I know that's an old church term. And when I was growing up, you'd hear the pastor talk all the time about people who are lost, about your lost neighbors and your lost friends. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost. Uh, you're going, well, man, I, I've got Google now, and so I've got Google Maps, and, and I just call it up on my phone. I'm never lost anymore. Well, you know, there's some places where Google can't even find you. You ever been lost? not knowing where you are, not knowing how you got there, and not knowing how to get back. Yeah. So you're supposed to meet a friend for dinner, and you can't find the place, so you call them and say, hey, I'm lost. What did your friend say? Where are you? Well, if I knew that, I wouldn't be lost. It's to break your heart the number of your neighbors who do not know who they are. They don't know why they are. Are you willing to walk up and down the streets of your own neighborhood and understand the hurt that's behind every door and let your heart break?
You see, every great movement of God starts when his people have their heart broken. And there's something about that brokenness, that, that opening that allows God to enter our world. Like I told you, this is a strange vision sermon. I'm not going to introduce any new programs. I'm not going to talk to you about any new facilities. Here's what we found out in COVID. About 80% of what we do as a church makes no difference. There are a handful of things that we do that make an impact on your life and your family. Worship is one of those. Your group is one of those. Bible study is one of those. A ministry or mission that engages your community, that brings up gospel conversations, all of that founded on prayer. That's what we have found out really matters, and that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to begin to pray the way Nehemiah prayed for his neighborhood, for his city. Pray for Columbia. Pray for Spring Hill. Pray for Thompson Station. Pray for Brentwood. Pray for Franklin. Pray for Nolansville. Pray for Nashville. Pray for Smyrna. Pray for all of those cities. In, Nash, in, in the middle of Tennessee area. I want you to pray for them. Now, I don't want you now to lay me down. Now, lay me down to sleep, Lord. Bless Nashville. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking through your neighborhood and allowing your heart to be broken. Getting together with your group and together talking about, you know, this should not be this way in our city. There shouldn't be foster children or children in a foster care system that don't have a place to sleep at night. There shouldn't be this many children waiting for an adoptive family. There shouldn't be this many people in Middle Tennessee who are lonely. What are you going to do? who has a gift, who has a passion that you're going to pray and say, here's what we're going to do. Because you see, that's where the story ended. When Nehemiah re re remembered, I am a cupbearer to the king. Yes, I know what's going on in Jerusalem, and I know how bad it is. I know what God has done, but yet I know what God will do. And where's it going to start? It starts because Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. Where has God put you? Where has God placed you that you will have the platform, the open door, the opportunity to rebuild your community? Yeah, I know. It's a weird vision sermon. But we're in a weird time. And the healing starts when the people of God have their heart broken. The healing starts when the people of God are willing to have their heart broken. Are you willing to walk with me in this coming year? and allow God to break your heart for what breaks his.
here's your pastor now to talk to you about what this would mean in your community and on your campus. So let me again share with you what a unique moment for us, one out of 52 Sundays that we get to hear from our senior pastor among all eight of our campuses. But one of the things I want to do is acknowledge it's been a full morning. We've celebrated together. We've heard him preach and expound on God's word. And so I want to honor our time together. And by telling you that over the next three or four weeks, I'll be unpacking through our sermons and through our time together in God's Word, I'll be unpacking what it looks like for us to partner with God and what's breaking our heart here in Melrose, here in the city of Nashville, here in the Wedgwood-Houston community. And so I hope that you will lean in and be with us over the next several weeks for this vision series. It's important, it's critical, and I hope you'll plan to be with us to hear more about it at a runway level here But over the next few minutes, I'd just like to challenge you with something that Mike really emphasized from the text. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team, Nick, Nicole, and others to come up to the platform. So there's a little bit of movement. When they get up here, they'll play a little bit. I I want you to think about doing something with what you've heard over the last several moments. Mike asked the question, what is breaking your heart in the world and what are you doing about it? That's a question that the church staff has asked every year. What in the world is breaking your heart? And what are you doing about that? I think you should really wrestle with that. I think you should think about that. For some of us in the room, you already know there's something that burdens you. There's something that concerns you. The reason there's brokenness and things don't function like they should, whether it be humanity or creation, is because of sin and brokenness. Jesus is the solution. He is the answer. And the way he makes himself manifest and present to address these needs is through you and me, through the local church. That's how his hands and feet literally demonstrate the good news that Jesus can heal and restore and fix what is broken and wrong with our world. Jesus is the answer. But what is the issue or the concern that you carry in your head and your heart? Again, you may already know what that is. For us here at the church, I will tell you that one of the, I'll go first. I would never ask you to think through something that, that we're not thinking through. Uh, I am concerned about what Mike mentioned. I'm personally concerned about the, the burden of foster care and adoptive opportunities that are not available throughout our states. I, 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 just like many of you, I celebrated a couple of months ago when Dobbs versus Jackson was ruled on by our Supreme Court and there was a reversal of Roe versus Wade. The reason we would celebrate that is we're thanking the Lord for moving in our time to address and protect the sanctity and the dignity of the unborn. So we celebrated that. But I read this past week of how many children sleep on the floors of the DCS offices because there are not placement foster homes for them. There are not safe places they can go when they're brought out of their home early in the morning or in the afternoon from school and they cannot go to what is normal for them. That, that, that burdens me, that concerns me, that ought not be. I don't know what my total involvement in that is, but I know that I can do something, you can do something, we can do something. And so as we think about it, a watching world is saying, you celebrated the dignity of life, but the problem still exists. Where is the church? That bothers me. What's breaking your heart and what do you want to do about it? You're going to hear more from this pastor's heart this month and November 13th, which is National Orphan Care Sunday, about all the ways you can be involved, even if it's not to adopt or be a foster parent. Everybody in this room can do something. What is your mission? Mike said that. What's your mission that you want to be a part of? 
He mentioned a mission. You need to have a mission. That sign stays on the wall because the number one over 168 means we meet for an hour on Sunday. There's 167 other hours in your week. If you're going to get fired up and passionate about addressing the needs in your school, your campus, your neighborhood, your community, you're most likely going to make progress the other six days of the week, hopefully. So what is it you want to do this week? For some of us, I, I'll just go ahead and reiterate what he said. He said, you need to be in a group. And you're probably thinking like, man, I've heard that from every pastor on the face of the earth every Sunday, like be in a group, be in a small group. For some of us, you, you really can't extend healing and hope in Jesus' name until you get hope and healing in Jesus' name. You may need to start with a small group. You've seen demonstrated the power of a mentor relationship. Maybe you need a mentor. Before you leave the church, before you do anything for Jesus, maybe just go right out there at that welcome desk and say, I need people to believe the promises of God for me and help me understand what he's doing, and I want to be in a group. Maybe that's the first thing you need to do. I don't know what your next step is, but you need to do something with what you've heard today or human behavior tells us whatever stirred your affections and your emotion, the singing, the prayer time, the baptism, the sermon, it'll stay right here within these four walls when you leave in just a moment if you don't commit to do something with it. And it may be to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time ever. What breaks your heart is that you cannot fix what's wrong. You do not know how to find your way into human flourishing. And you hear about Jesus. And you've been exploring the claims of Christ. And today is the day of salvation. It would give us no greater joy if you came down after the service to tell us, Today, I gave my life to following Jesus Christ. And I want to know what all that entails. Maybe that's what you need to do. But don't leave without doing something with what you've heard. So I think this would be totally appropriate. Let me give you about 120 seconds. I won't be talking, but you tell Jesus what it is you need, what concerns you, wisdom, discernment for how to respond to that. You pray as you feel led. And in just a moment, Nick and Nicole and the worship team will ask us to stand and sing in response to what we've experienced this morning. But don't miss this moment. Ask Jesus for what you need over the next couple minutes.